0: As Christoph said, he and I um, met, first of all, via email, someone introduced us, I'm grateful for that, and then via Zoom, and then last week in person, and now it's great to be here at Hamilton Road. As he's also said, I'm married to Sue, and this is our first time in Northern Ireland. We walked around 12 miles, I think, around the city of Belfast uh, yesterday, really enjoyed that, still do not understand chocolate combined with cheese and onion flavor crisps. If somebody can explain that to me afterwards, I would be grateful. And yes, I work for LICC, and we're all about equipping all of God's people for all of their places, wherever you will find yourselves. And I'm so glad that you've looked at fruitfulness on the front line, and I want to help us to build on that by looking at this theme of confidence in a particular way that fits with the readings that were so brilliantly read to us i introducing myself on Thursday, if you're ever trying to contact me again and remember my name, I just pointed out that my name's Rhyme, and my church used to go with that. So in my home church, in a city called Chichester, I noticed there's a Chichester Street um, in Belfast, in my home church, uh, people would say, I'm Ken Ben. You can do that if you like. They were actually being very kind to me in my church, because my middle name is in fact Leonard. So I really am Ken Len Ben, which was the only joke my dad ever made in his entire life. Wouldn't it be good if all of his names rhymed? My dad was from Sri Lanka and he converted in a time of revival when pretty much the whole of his village came to faith. And that name Benjamin therefore is very dear to me because on the occasion of my grandfather's baptism and my dad's baptism, but particularly my grandfathers, they changed his surname from a Hindu name with very Hindu implications to a name that they just picked pretty much randomly out of the Bible. And I think I came off relatively well there with the name Benjamin, given some of the options that are available. Uh, It's a privilege for us to look uh, at this theme with you. And as we do so, as we look, at the letter to the Hebrews, it's good to bear in mind a number of things. It's good to bear in mind that we don't know everything about the letter to the Hebrews compared with knowing some more about some of the other letters in the New Testament. We're not 100% sure of the author. We're not 100% sure of the audience. But when you read it, you know that there's a Jewish knowledge being assumed, particularly the first five books of our Old Testament hence us calling it the letter to the Hebrews. So it's almost certainly Jewish Christians that it's being written to. It's also clear that this was a difficult time to be a Christian that the writer is writing into, hence words like do not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, as you heard read to us from chapter 3 and verse 13. It's also clear that there's loads of other faiths and options around and what the writer is trying to do is encourage us to elevate Jesus as superior to anything else around we've come to share in Christ he is the perfecter of our faith our reading said and it's very clear that what the writer wants us to do is to stay on track to remain faithful so to keep going firmly to the very end, our reading said, and to not grow weary or lose heart. So if the writer wants us to get all of those things and to stay on track and to remain faithful and to elevate Jesus above anything else, then there are a number of techniques and tactics that are used in the words to help us to do that. One of them is to go on repeating the, word, the phrase, let us, where we were in church, leading church on the south coast of England, was the capital in England for growing lettuces. Uh, If you'll excuse the pun, this bit of Hebrews, the whole of Hebrews, is the capital of the Bible for lettuces. Excuse that pun. So it's well known for this. So it says, um, let us not fear, let us be careful. Let us make every effort, both in chapter 4. Let us hold firmly. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, it says in Hebrews. Let us leave behind elementary teaching. Let us hold unswervingly. Let us encourage and stimulate one another. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and run with endurance. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us be thankful. Let us go out. Let us offer a sacrifice of praise and so on. That's fairly well known in Hebrews, that the writer is trying to encourage us in what we can do together to get this. Similarly, but less well known, there are also some one another passages, and those one another passages emphasize what we are to do when we're together for our lives when we're apart. I know you know those images that are just appearing on the screen. I'll describe them to you in just a second, and you know if if you've been coming to Hamilton Road for a while. If you don't, I'll explain them to you so the writer again in emphasizing what we can do together says for example no longer will they teach their neighbor to say to one another know the Lord what to say to one another know the Lord then is something that we should be doing encouraging one another in what we have in Jesus or spur one another on or encourage one another as it says in Hebrews 3 as well as in our readings too And in Hebrews 13 it ends, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Now here's the thing, not everybody gets a copy of this letter, it's one letter for the whole group of churches, and then it's read out loud when they are together to be lived out and about wherever the people in the church find themselves throughout the week, do you see? And one way to picture that is with those dots, that if you were... Here in the church, when we were looking through, Christoph was leading you through Fruitfulness on the Front Line, I'm sure you've come across. But let me go through them again and add one element for us today. The dots represent the population of the UK. There are a hundred dots. The red dots represent the Christians. That's those who identify themselves as Christians and attend church at least once a month. Not a particularly high bar, but let's go with it and we can have that view of church that we're gathered together in the corner and we have some connection we're trying to make some positive influence and encourage those white dots around us to come and be part of what we do here that's a good thing to do but for the majority of our lives our dots look like this if we can see the next slide the same number of dots six dots And here in Northern Ireland, you might be propping up the national, the UK number of six dots just a little bit, but let's say six dots. And we have so many more connections with the white dots around us. So many more chances to influence and make a positive impact on those that we find on our front lines, wherever our front lines are. That's what you've heard so far, and I absolutely believe that. I'm so committed to it that I've stepped aside from a role I love as a church minister and church pastor to try to convey this message to as many churches and Christians who would want to hear it. But what we often don't say, or perhaps don't spell out so much, is that it is easier to have confidence in that first image when we're together than in this second image when we're apart. When we feel a little bit more alone in our faith, it feels harder to have confidence. Are you with me so far? So it's easier to sing a little louder, actually, than to live a little bolder. And today, increasingly, there are a whole number of things going on that can ebb away at our confidence. But if that's the bad news, The good news is there are so many other things, God-given things, that can grow confidence, that we can use when we're together to grow confidence for when we're apart. Now, in saying this, this whole theme that Christoph's led us in our prayers and in our worship too, of confidence, some of you will be sitting here thinking, well, I don't have this problem. I have no problem at all with faith confidence when I'm out and about on my front line. And if that's you, you're a blessing to this church, Provided you bear in mind that the people sitting next to you might not always feel that way. Some here will feel this lack of confidence more strongly than others. On top of which, we're not talking about self confidence or confidence that's just in your character. We're talking about a humble, kind, Christ like confidence that fits your faith. Now, we've been exploring this and writing about it. I shared it with Christoph and. He said, oh yeah, share some thoughts on that. So I want to share with you where our writing has got to and list what we think it might be six things that, that are biblical that can help grow confidence when we're together for our lives when we're apart and then just explore a couple of them, two or three in more detail. Let's go. So confidence grows when we are convinced. If I know why I have faith and I'm reminded of that as we gather together to worship, then my confidence is all the greater When I'm apart. Confidence grows with the support of community. Is number two. If we support one another. That's that one another phrase that you see in Hebrews. Again. If we support one another. Then our confidence grows. Here. For there. For your front line. Wherever that is. Confidence grows when driven by compassion. Even if I have a lack of confidence, if I have enough compassion and heart for the people that I find myself with on my front line, then I can't help myself. I have to do the right thing. I have to stay true to my faith and live that out in word and deed. Confidence grows with consistent patterns for spiritual formation. In other words, if I've developed some spiritual habits of prayer and Bible reading and focus on God throughout my week and in key places in my day, then when the rubber hits the road and these situations come up on my front line where I might have lack of confidence, then those patterns will give me the background that I need in order to, be fa- to face them. Confidence grows with competence. If I feel I have enough competence to answer the questions and the issues that might come up, at least to offer the beginning or a start of those issues, then I have greater confidence. If we can rehearse them, practice them, work out what we might begin to say here, then we'll have greater confidence there. And confidence grows when we are resolutely committed. In other words, I've resolved courage to go for something. In the sense that some confidence doesn't come just in the waiting, it comes when you're actually out there going for something. And then in the middle of going for something, speaking up, living out your faith in the real world, confidence grows there, not Prior to it, God meets us more than halfway as we're out there. That's where our writing and thinking is going. We'd appreciate your prayers on that. I'm now going to ask you an impossibly unfair question. If we can turn that slide off just for a a, a second. I've just listed six things. Uh, And they all begin with CO. And I think it's fairly unfair and impossible to remember all six things, but I'm going to ask you anyway. So if you could turn to the person that you find yourself sitting with and see... Can you remember three of those COs? If so, then say them to the person that you're with. Take a minute or two to do that, and then I'll continue in just a second. Six things that help grow our confidence. Um, I'm going to try, Ken. Um, courage, confidence, compassion. I have to mark you Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. So, who feels like they 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 got at least two? Who got who got two here? Okay, who got three? Three, good. More than three, four. Okay, some in the the balcony doing no no pressure here, but the balcony are doing well out there. Five? Think you got five? Okay. Who thinks they? I'm not going to test you. I trust your honesty. Who thinks they got all six here? Well, oh, at the back, excellent. Round of applause for the person at the back. Thank okay. you. Excellent. We will tr- Just for today, and because it fits our readings, let's look at three of them in our remaining time. So if we can go back to the PowerPoint. That idea that our confidence grows when we are convinced. Part of the idea of reading a letter to a gathered group in a church is that we gather together. It is easier to sing a little louder than live a little bolder for most of us. But we do that, and it helps us to live a little bolder, do you see? So when we're together, we realize why we're convinced. If you flick through, I think you get the words on that PowerPoint. One more click. Confidence grows when we are convinced, is what it should say, through being convinced. Brilliant. And the image there is of abseiling. I don't know if you've ever done abseiling. I've done abseiling a few times. And I need a bit of help to have confidence, when I abseil. I need some things to be convinced of. I'll pretend I'm confident, but, but I will would, would gently ask some questions like, oh, tell me about the rope. How, how much weight could that rope hold? And, and if the person assures me, who's in charge, that that rope would hold a small car, then I know I've put some weight on over lockdown, but that is enough to reassure me. I'll gently half-joking say, oh, um, I'm guessing you've done this before to the instructor. And I'm looking for a yes there. And if they say yes, then that, that helps um, it helps me to be convinced, and it helps my confidence. I will look carefully at the anchor points where that rope is tied, and if it looks to be tied correctly and properly to the best of my knowledge. And that helps me to be convinced, and that helps my confidence. And if somebody else goes first, that helps as well. And in all of those things, they help me to be convinced, and they help me to have confidence. So what about your faith and mine here? Why are you convinced to commit your life to Jesus here and there on your front lines? I'm convinced of the message of Jesus for so many reasons. I'm convinced because I look at the world and I believe it has more than enough hints of a designer a creative designer, an intelligent designer at that. I'm convinced because as a pastor, as a minister for 24 years in the same church, I've had the privilege of spending time with some people at the very end of their life. And when I do so, I'm convinced that that's not it, that there is more, and that that more is eternal. I'm convinced as well because I've also had the privilege of being with people very soon after there's been new life, A new baby, not straight away, that would be weird, but very soon after they've had a new baby. And I'm convinced when I see a new baby that there is more than the sum of the wriggling parts, that there is a soul there. I'm convinced most of all because of Jesus, because his words grab me. And not just me, because they've lasted the test of time across cultures and across centuries, and I know that my words don't do that. I've tried to convey messages in Malawi and Kazakhstan and Sri Lanka to name three places, and I know that sometimes my humour doesn't work there. It barely works here, to be honest, but I know that it doesn't work there or any other of the illustrations that I might might use, and yet Jesus' words have worked across time and across cultures, his words and his wisdom, and most of all, his life and death and resurrection. I've looked as best I can the evidence of the resurrection and I find it compelling I find the need for forgiveness so compelling too I'm convinced because of what I see in the life of those first followers of Jesus his first disciples who either did or didn't see the risen Jesus and were prepared to stake everything on it including their lives most of them I'm convinced because of the role and power and guidance of God's Spirit in our lives. I'm convinced because of the example of Christians today, including those who turn to Jesus freshly and for the first time, when you see the difference that it makes in their lives. To be convinced doesn't necessarily mean certain, but it means a resolved decision, and it can be based on the evidence in that way. And to be convinced then helps me to be confident. My question to you while we gather here is what is your list? Your list might be the same or different to mine. Feel free to borrow any of my points. But that's part of what we do here. We remind one another why we're convinced here for when we feel more alone out there. And if we can do that, then we have greater confidence, that kind of kind, humble confidence that I've talked about. Second of the three I just want to bring in a little bit more detail is the idea of community. Our confidence grows with the support of community or through community. That emphasis of one another in those passages. Let us encourage one another daily as a command. Now, living in the community in the letter to the Hebrews, that might have been done very easily in terms of how closely they were geographically living together, we might have new challenges and new opportunities to do that today. Never before have Christians been able to contact other Christians live on their front line and offer encouragement in the way that you and I can now with a WhatsApp message or a text or an email. So we can apply this word and say, okay, if I'm commanded to do this daily... And part of somebody else's confidence is down to me, how can I do that for them? What, what message can I give them that helps grow their confidence? Part of the problem then, in, in those dots, as I've described it, is that it's, it feels more lonely out there. Part of the answer then is that we are not alone. We have the promise of Jesus to be with us always. And he's there by his spirit too. Our God is the Lord of every place where we will set foot tomorrow. And we sometimes have other Christians on our front lines too. And we should connect with and support each other. Even if they're a slightly different shade of red to us. We also have the command here to love and support one another in the same way that Jesus loves us. When we do this for each other, it helps us feel less lonely. We help confidence grow in others. Knowing the love of others is foundational to confidence building is key here. My confidence grows if I know somebody else is praying for me. And my whole life discipleship grows as a result. And probably that person's confidence grows too in offering that to you. My resolve grows if in a discipleship group I've shared something that's going on on my front line and asked for prayer, and I know that others are supporting and praying for me there too. And if a Christian friend happens to drop a WhatsApp message to me, then my confidence grows as a result through this community. Today and every day, according to those verses, we're called to carve out time to find ways to encourage one another. When we succeed in doing that, our confidence grows. Now, that word encourage that's there in Hebrews 3, verse 13, is made up of two Hebrew words to make one, para and kallio. Para as in parallel, and kalio, as in beckoning and calling to action. So what's being described here as, as we're commanded to find ways to encourage one another daily is to come alongside parallel and to find ways to call one another to action on behalf of Jesus. If we do that, we'll be a long way down the line in terms of supporting one another on our front lines with confidence. There was a person who I knew well, I'm gonna change his name, called Greg, who needed this from his community. He was an environmental consultant who worked with the aggregates industry. Big companies would dredge the seabed to get gravel for the construction industry. And Greg was a biologist, an environmental assessment role, and his role was to go before them to assess the work and to assess the environmental impact of the work that they were about to do. Now, Greg was a Christian, and he did his research properly and correctly. Part of being a Christian, as you found out on Fruitfulness on the Front Line although you probably knew anyway, is to just do good work because it's as though it's Christ we're serving. Greg's company essentially told him, though, just find that there's nothing really negative happening with our environmental work. Except that isn't what Greg found. He found it was massively negative. So what does Greg do? He knows as a Christian he has to tell the truth. But he knows it may cost him his job he calls on the confidence that is available through community. So he asks his discipleship group to pray for him. His family are Christians too. He asks them to pray for him. He asks his pastor for advice on the right wording to use and his pastor prays for him too. Greg does the brave thing, presents the report as graciously but as truthfully as possible and announces that this work will have massive negative environmental impact on God's world. I'd love to tell you that Greg was promoted as a result. But that isn't what happened. Greg was made redundant very quickly as a result. What then happened, through more prayer and support of the community, was that God led Greg to an even better job. And one that suited him more. But he stayed true to his faith through the confidence that comes through community. And we're called to do that for one another when it feels more lonely. Lastly, for today, confidence grows through compassion. Does anyone remember the card game Top Trumps? Do you know what I'm talking about here? There's a few people my age who are nodding. Maybe I think, I think younger generations have done it too. But in my generation, it was just a card a car game. Do you know what I'm talking about here, Christoph? Excellent. So, and you have categories in Top Trumps and you look at a category, and you pick a category where you might win, say, the engine size or the speed if it was a car. Now, you can get film in top trumps categories as well, Disney top trumps, and a whole range of different things. Imagine that you're playing top trumps. If you've got a higher category, you win their cards, basically. Imagine that there are human emotions at play in top trumps. What I want to say with, with a view to compassion is that a lot of compassion trumps a little confidence. If you've got enough compassion for people, God-given heart for them, that trumps a lack of confidence. You just have to do the right thing anyway. Look at parents in the Ukraine. They've got every reason to lack confidence, but they will do the right thing because of the compassion they have for their children. They will do the brave thing even at personal risk to protect their children because of the compassion they have for them. If you and I have compassion to do the right thing, then it overcomes a lack of confidence. Our reading, it says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. I wonder if you've ever thought about that phrase. What, what was the joy set before Jesus That meant that he did endure the cross for you and for me. According to the the commentators, there are at least three options of what the joy set before him meant, but to me, they all mean compassion. So, one option is the joy set before him is the time that comes for Jesus when he ascends back to the throne and he's reunited with the Trinity, and the joy of a job well done is the joy set before him because he has endured the cross for you and for me, and therefore he goes through what he goes through for compassion there. Some say that it should be actually translated instead of the joy set before him. So Jesus had all this joy in the first place, but instead of the joy set before him, he endures the cross. If he does that, surely he's doing that because of compassion for you and for me, and for the population of this planet. The third option is that the joy set before him is you. The joy set before him is me. Jesus endured what he endured for you, for me, for compassion for us, in other words. And in doing so, he went through what he went through. So where does that leave us for today, as we sum up? I'm admitting that whilst there are many more opportunities out there, it feels more scary out there. But there are so many God-given things that we can do for one another to help build confidence. And we've looked at two or three today, when we're convinced, when we have the support of community, when we have compassion. Which of those is God laying on your heart and mine for us to carry into this week for your discipleship and for those you find yourself sitting with and those who are watching online? Let's pray. So Lord, we recognise a phenomenon in our world today in northern ireland today where confidence seems harder to grab in terms of our faith and yet it's there lord in so many we have so many reasons to have confidence in you and only you help us to recognize our role in the confidence of others because you've called us to play a part in that and in the disciplines that help our own confidence to grow thank you that fellowship in a church community in Hamilton Road can be part of that confidence growing. We pray that when we're here, it makes a difference to there, as we picture where we will be this time tomorrow. Amen.